Hey, look at you. You made it back for episode two. Good to have you. Good to have you. I'm really looking forward to you getting to know our style and more importantly, these characters, all of which I absolutely love. As far as party chemistry goes, I love how these three or four, if you ask Babitha, work together. It's just a lot of fun. Anyways, hey, can we just talk about that episode one ending? What is going on? Well, I guess you're here to find out, aren't you? All right, all right. Go listen and have fun. I'll talk to you soon. Previously on Knucklebones. We just met our friends Liza Drovachel, Babitha Burbich, and Galtier Desjumeaux, and Blep, on their way back down from the mountain Sierfendal when they opted to find rest in one of the many roadhouses on the road to Madrigal. Liza played some music with the not-so-great bard on the stage, while Galtier took to flirting with a barmaid. It seemed that everything was going well until the Oath Knight, Otis Thatherton, entered seeking help. His wagon from Madrigal to Clayton Springs in the mountain had been attacked by goblins. Our friends offered to help him out, and after a few hours walking in the night, arrived at the wagon, which was still being harassed by goblins. Luckily, the locks on the wagons had withstood their feeble attacks. What's a pal to do but slay some gobos, am I right? While fighting them, a trio of mysterious strangers struck down a number of goblins, apparently aiding Otis and our friends, before quickly retreating to their shadowy hiding places among the trees. Then things got real weird, real quick. A meteor came crashing to the earth, but not before breaking into four pieces. One falling someplace just to the north of Madrigal, one to the southwest in the Merklands, one to the north towards the ash forest of Delane, and, most notably, one crashed into Sir Otis's wagon, obliterating it. Investigating, our friends find that some sort of glowing ruby shard has landed in front of them. Otis suggests that it immediately be taken to the king, while Liza and Babitha suggest that it be turned over to the, quote, coven for information gathering. To top everything off, a mysterious figure emanating a purple inky ether crawled from the crater and attacked Gaultier. What are our friends to do? Find out now on Knucklebones. Hey everybody, how you guys doing? It's good to see you. Hey, hey, hey. Hola. I mean, you just used the phrase purple inky ether, so I'm doing worse. That doesn't <laughs> that doesn't calm your tensions and make you feel comfortable? Um, yeah, all right, let's uh let's dig in. Let's uh let's let's get going on it. How about currently you stand on a what would have been a, a bloody field of goblin corpses is now a, a crater in the earth where the wagon once stood. Um, Galtier, you've been savagely attacked by a, by this humanoid that crawled its way out of the crater. As you're standing there bracing for the attack, maybe planning a, a counterattack at the same time, you see uh, Sir Otis who is next to you. He, he pivots on his foot with the intention of aiding you and you for an instant you're you're braced behind your shield expecting this this attack and nothing happens liza and babitha and blep you guys all see this thing and as it makes contact with galtier's shield it's almost like a splash of water that splashes away and it kind of works its way around him 
and almost coalesces into a shape before it just flickers away, kind of dissipates into the air. And it leaves you guys standing alone. I think Gaultier, like, does his block and then is coming straight for, like, a repose. And it's just like, well, now who are you? What? Where to go? Okay, so you people saw that too. There was some sort of purple thing. Oh, darling, I definitely saw it. I just didn't... I... <laughs> Oh, I just didn't know that it was in this reality, you know what I'm saying? I just didn't know it was in this one. But oh. here we are, and I guess it is. And um, where did those fancy ninjas come from, am I Wait, right? Wait, those were real? Go? Was that... I mean, I just assumed it was all real if the purple guy was real. Wait, you didn't see the purple guy, right? We all saw the purple guy? Well, yes, I did see him. You're foolish to let your guard down. And he steps behind... Uh, he steps behind Galtier and starts swinging his sword at nothing. It could be a simple, a simple deception, a trick of the eyes. It could still be here. Don't let your guard down. You should know better. And he's like slashing at the air, stepping and and thrusting and lunging. Galtier will definitely follow Otis's lead. And I want to. Can I make like an investigation or something? Like he can like looking around to see if there's something or perception. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and do a, a perception. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, that's a dirty 20. Uh, you don't see anything, and to boot, you're fairly confident that there is nothing. There's no uh, footprints or, or um, there's no dust being kicked up or tracks being made, nothing like that. Um, and, and Otis is still pressing an attack. Where are you, you dirty creature? Come back, fight like a man! I think after, Show yourself. after a beat or two, Galtier will kind of like sort of overly dramatically um, sheath his sword and kind of puff out his chest and say like, now, nothing for you to worry about here, Sir Otis. It seems that this filth and knave once again saw the might of the kingdom of Madrigal and has fled. Filthy knave. <laughs> that dude, are, are you kidding me? That dude disappeared out of nowhere. He was ready to fuck your life. Don't call him knave. I already think he's badass, although terrified, probably bad guy. But don't call him Nave. He could, if you like, you said he could be around. He could take offense. He could kill all of us. Let's not do that, please. You bore on blasphemy. What? Did you just see what fall from sky? Did you just see what f happened to me? I'm yellow now. I, I didn't do this. Perhaps we should revisit our conversation. I believe this uh, gemstone needs absolutely to be returned to the office of the king. I, I side with Sir Otis here. Like I said, like 30 seconds ago, I really think that this would be much better for you if we were to all as a group work together to identify this gem and then we go back to your king with more information. How does that not appeal to you? You get to look like a, a man who took initiative, a man who wanted to be of use to the king rather than just being like, here, sir, here's the gem that fall out of sky. I don't know what to do with it. You do it. I'm fancy boy. I bring you fancy rock. Do I write? Do I nail it? I, 
I, I, I just, I just want, Babitha, I think you nailed it. I just want to say, I think you nailed that. But I do want to say this with absolute respect. All of this is with utmost respect for both of you. I respect you so much. You terrify me. Are we good? Oh, absolutely. Ah, yes, darling. Yes. Liza, will you roll persuasion, please? Sorry, just a sec. I don't know where I, I can't see, and all my dice. Is this for Liza to persuade Otis? Yes. Okay. I mean, it's a it, it is a it is a compelling argument. I, I have to. I think I think though that while uh, mechanically Max is uh, you know getting numbers to help solve conflict, um, Gaultier is definitely like trying to counter argue, but doesn't really have anything beyond like. It's what he thinks is the right thing to do, like because he's sort of part of the society. So he is sort of blathering on. Well, now you can call me a small boy if you wish, but I don't deign to lower myself with these base methods. And of course, the king has wizards of the highest order all over. What it say you, Sir Otis? What'd you roll? You said persuasion? Yeah. 24, baby. Jesus Christ. Well, if you're asking me what. What my opinion is here, I I hate to agree with, well, somebody not associated with the knighthood or nobility in any fashion that I know of. Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, no offense. But Mrs. Ustrovichel does make a compelling argument. If we can come back to the court with information more significant than... You gonna side with these two here? You have an old witch and a young witch. And some sort of frog man, have you been compelled somehow? I need an old priest and a young priest. <laughs> I need an old priest and oh, a young priest nice. and a large you. frog. How about we how about we do this the old fashioned way then? Utilizing diplomacy. Master Blep, what is your opinion? <laughs> well, you have it you have it there. Uh, now, we don't always agree on everything, but Apparently the Slimer one is right. Now, if only we could get a translation and understand what he said, uh, Ms. Burbage. Uh, I, I, neither of you been taking any time. I've been trying the, the whole ride here. I thought we were... Oh, no, wait. You know what? I'm realizing. I'm realizing now that that was the drugs. That was, that was definitely just the drugs. Never mind. Uh, listen, a point the blip was making uh, quite... Uh, accurately it was um, merely that uh, the, the coven is always an, an excellent resource of information um, there are of course members of other covens that work with the king there is some jurisdiction issues but you know what I mean truthfully we've got an oath knight we've got a nobleman I think we basically kind of grandfathered in at this point to kind of do our own thing so you're right you, you make an excellent point Blip. yeah oh I'm so sorry uh, what Arthur's actually been going on this whole time. Like she switched halfway through into Grun, and so you you were tracking up until about the part of like, well, I mean, yeah, the you know the coven could help, and then all of a sudden she ma is croaking and chirping ma and ma'am, ma you are croaking like a bullfrog what? in the oh, heat. Yeah. I have no idea what you are saying. Oh gosh. Oh, I'm so uh, I'm so, I'm so, so sorry. Um. Uh, what, what, 
was saying is that um, Blep here does believe that there is an advantage to speaking with the coven. Uh, of course, we have the option we could go back to my abode and do a conference call. Uh, what do you? Is that what you're thinking, Liza? I mean, cauldron calls are um, some of my favorite part of the uh, of the coven, just because. I mean, the alliteration alone. I mean, come on, uh, cauldron call. How can you turn that down at all? I mean, are you kidding me? I will admit that it sounds to be an enticing name. Will someone explain to me what uh, exactly you are talking about? Dark magic. Oh, uh, 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 Auntie Barry. Do you want to take over? Well, I just, um, what I'm not clear on here is um, what part of Cauldron Call is unclear to Mr. Dejamol as you... Are you calling on a cauldron to see if it will receive us in some sort of way? Are you, are you, you call to somebody? Hello, yoo-hoo, a yoo-hoo. We're going to shout at cookware. Well, I mean, essentially, yes. Although I would say that a cauldron does have a near piece of crockery. Um, but in an aside, you could hear Gaultier just being like, "This is why I don't understand a damn thing." Either one of these two says they just oh, always, always, always it doesn't work. And does it ever not work out, my beautiful little boy? I don't think it's worked out a single time yet. Um, we are with an Oath Knight, and we have a very rare gem that fall out of sky, and we have good thing that you take back to King, and you look so good. Thank you, Liza. Thank you, Auntie Baby. I'm so happy that you've come along to my side of the argument and think we should go directly to the King. That is just music to my ears, Liza. Either way, I insist that we leave immediately. If we make haste, we can reach Madrigal by nightfall tomorrow. It's still, by the way, uh, like two or three in the morning. This would require a, a full day's march through the night and into tomorrow evening. I, I say we make quick cauldron call on the way back. Um, all it requires is uh, 73 pounds of mercury that we melt down into cauldron. <laughs> I'm of course kidding. It just requires water and some, uh, some flour. Uh, but when it comes to making the cauldron call, I, I do believe that uh, if we were to call um, Kriechna, uh, she may be able to help us with uh, magical items. She, that is her her specialty. Oh, Kriechna, of course, of course. Now. I'm assuming that we're not going to be able to go back to my home, as I propose. I could take one of my smaller vessels here. I mean, it's got... And Babitha starts uh, tinkering with one of the many... Mobile cauldron call? Yeah, so... Um, okay, I'll allow it. I, I mean, <laughs> so Babitha starts uh, kind of tinkering with the, her... As I mentioned, her pack is laden with all sorts of... Uh, jars and vessels of different kinds and uh, she reaches and out of one it honestly looks uh, almost like uh, the like a mortar and pestle uh, except that it's kind of it's clearly curved in more and it's got a nice lip and it, it's just this, this tiny little cauldron and she says, no, usually I would use this for, for smelting uh, small uh, amounts of 
uh, rich metals, however, I've also used it uh, to brew uh, some broth on the road, and in this instance, I, I really love it for making cauldron calls on the run. So I like to think of it as like my little like mobile cauldron, so I can make my little mobile cauldron calls. So people can just call me on my mobile, that's what I call it, my mobile or my, my CC, you know, for cauldron calls. Uh, I think that we could try to make this one work right here, we can get a decent fire going. Yes, I, 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 I do think it's it's not exactly the best system for people outside of the coven because cauldrons um, of our uh, type are not exactly readily available to everybody. So you're you're one of the few who can break into the network of all the covens, right? Well, sure, that comes with being an artificer. I mean, I've clearly crafted yes. this by myself. Yes. I, I, I do know uh, that I, I have been thinking that uh, we should personally um, give a... Uh, you, you should give a symposium to the rest of the coven on how to create mobile uh, cauldrons for uh, cauldron calls because I do think it is helpful. Uh, I do think it would move the coven into um, the modern era. Liza, when did you become such a kiss-ass? Um, the moment I was born, honey. The development that has happened since this shard fell out of the sky, you were nothing but piss and vinegar, and now it seems that you are obsessed with our dear friend Babatha. Well, I, uh, quite honestly, just really enjoy seeing a uh, competent witch at work, and, uh, I, I don't know That's about... That's you don't see very often, Liza. Um, not when I look in the mirror, no. You relate to that, correct? Well, I... Now, hold on a minute. That seems like an unfair accusation. I slap his ass real hard and walk away. How much does it, does it do damage? Like, do you actually leave a mark on him? I do non-lethal damage to his ass. You take a... You have a disadvantage on charisma saving throws now because you're just deeply ashamed of what just happened to you. But more so, you're deeply ashamed of the fact that, like, you hate it, but if you were to see Liza do it to anyone else, you'd be really jealous. I mean, yeah, I feel like there's a counter situation in which I actually gain a plus two to charisma saving throws if they are, like, about uh, being desired specifically by someone else in the group in this You program. know what? And you get a boot. No. You know what, Matt? Take that burden. Take my last bardic inspiration with that ass slap right there. <laughs> This is just full-on Liza. Liza's love language is razzing. And uh, and so Liza, like, full disclosure, Liza shits all over Gaultier. And it is all love, baby. It is, it is very much just like, I shit on you because I love you. I'm like a, I'm like a, a weird German dude from the 90s. <laughs> We've enough. We've no time to kill. Let us make your cauldron call and be done with it. If you can't tell, I'm in a bit of a hurry to get back to the, back to the castle. So you uh, want to make your cauldron call? Exactly. I get uh, just a little fire burning uh, and set up my little cauldron on top, and I uh, grab a clay jug wrapped in leather that I've been using to carry water and I pull the cork out with my teeth pour some water into the cauldron 
sprinkle a few uh, herbs from various jars and containers on my person. And I sit cross-legged in front of the cauldron. The, the cauldron starts to slowly kind of heat up. Um, it, it radiates heat to the point that you guys can feel it, you know, five or six feet away. That's just kind of like putting off these waves of heat and staring down into the cauldron from from essentially right above it. It's very hot where you're where you're standing, Babitha. You see all the all the things, all the ingredients that you put in it start to swirl and coalesce inside and they make a, the it kind of forms into the general shape of a of a face that you recognize uh it, it takes a few minutes it takes two or three four minutes or so and finally this the face starts to kind of rock back and forth and, it, and you can see it's just like loosening up and loosening up and loosening up and finally it, it, it's it just feels smooth and free it's not moving hard or anything as it starts to heat up and Babitha feels her face start to warm, she rocks gently and begins to hum and murmur to herself. And from the debris at the top of the now bubbling cauldron, the face of Kriechna appears in the now suddenly very still liquid. One of the things that you can hear Babitha mumbling is 1-800-CAUDRON-CALL and then the face starts moving inside. Who is it that summons me, Kreyeshna? Shana, 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 it's me, Auntie Babby. How are you, dear? You look wonderful. This is Babby the Burbage that calls. Is that right? Of course, Krishna. Oh, who else would it be, darling? I'm simply attempting to put the face with the name. Your face is uh, unclear on my side. All is well, I assume. Why, why have you summoned me here? Well, I'm a little bit uh, concerned if you can't see me. Unfortunately, you see we have uh, acquired... I don't know if you've been outside today. Perhaps I should start there. Have you been outside today in like the last, I don't know, 10 minutes or so? It is well past midnight. Why would I have been outside today? Well, I mean, it's, well, it's, it's a full moon. I, I didn't think that that would... In the, <clears throat> anyway, our point is, large rocks seem to have been falling from the sky, uh, at least four of them. We've acquired one. We were hoping that you'd be able to take a look at it and uh, shed a little light, perhaps. But, well, I suppose I'll have to describe it to you. Um, well, it's about as large as, uh, well, no. Well, it's almost like... Um, I would like sleep eventually so Babitha actually like pulls out the the stone now and is like kind of like referring to it she's Babitha still has her gloves on by the way she's normally wearing uh gloves and it's huge right so she's kind of like now like got it like kind of 
trying to change oh, like the cauldron. Oh, Babitha Burbich uh, of Madrigal, is this accurate? Yes, 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 Kriachna. There are only so many Babithas in your cousin, darling. There aren't that many of us, don't. We don't have time for this. Put some respect on her name. Uh, of course, I'll put respect on her name. I got you. I Call me at two o'clock in the morning. Expect respect from me. It's midnight, as you just said. It's a full moon. You should already be up and about. What are you charging your crystals? Have you tended to your herbs? So first and foremost, shame on you. Shame on your practice. You are a disappointment to the covenant. We will bring this up at our next meeting. However, if you so choose, you may be a proper sister and you may help us identify this object. Otherwise, we will have to go straight to the king and then we're going to have to deal with this coven. And you know how those people are. Pester me no more, Burbage. Describe to me what you have found. <laughs> Would you care to uh, describe the, the large ruby in which I'm holding? Because apparently large ruby is not that fell from the sky. is not clear enough for our dear sister and aunt. So I would say that this is a, uh, a boulder-sized ruby. I would say it's probably the size of a small boulder. Um, and... Uh, I, I don't know. It's it's kind of teardrop shaped. Uh, the color is something that I haven't seen before. Exactly as though in in nature here. Um, and I I do believe it, it is too large for it to be out of uh, um, just a a falling wagon that falls on ground. I would say this is almost. Um, trebuchet level uh, largeness of object. Like, imagine ruby. You say it fell from the, from the sky. It fell from the sky, darling, and here's the weirdest part. It was cold. There was no heat to it. In fact, I slid down on my bum right into the crater. There was no heat. The ground appeared scorched, and yet there was no heat. Is there anything that you can think of? Currently, I do not know what to make of this. Do you, have you, uh, have you made attempts to discover any types of uh, enchantments or arcana that has been cast upon it? Well, it does appear as though, well, it may be possessing arcana uh, energies. It doesn't appear that something has been cast upon it. It seems innately magical, perhaps. To the point, uh, ran out of it at one point. Yes, I, I really appreciate that, Mr. Gaultier. You again, uh, I, I may raz you, but you are smarter than you should be. So, uh, the uh, there is a purple man with with black and purple ooziness of essence that, that rippled off of him and disappeared uh, shortly after this uh, this gem hit the ground and destroyed everything and made me change colors in a way that I could not control and it's quite disappointing and uh, frustrating. 
I can't forget the I did forget the purple man, darling. I'm so sorry that I left that part out. I've been listen, I've been experimenting with the elixirs again. I I'm really I'm onto something. I'm really onto something. So I I, I admit I was not. I, my, it, it was a traumatic experience. We can't all remember trauma immediately in the aftermath, my dear. Uh, it was, it was, it was right. traumatic. Yeah, the purple man. The purple man. It was almost as if it was like. Leave the trauma, like, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, yes, you're correct in that you are quite trauma-inducing. However, what I'm saying about this this man creature, it was like. It was like he kept moving, but there was an essence of him that stayed still. Like he was just leaving like a trail of himself behind in this purple, oozy, smoky, oozy. Did this purple man speak to you? Did you run from him? Well, he did run right through Gaultier de Jumeau, which was quite thrilling to see, actually. That did, oh, excuse me, did that, actually, did that part actually happen? And you are 100% certain that this happened. It sounds like perhaps this did not happen. No, no, this 100% happened. Absolutely. Yeah, we've got some straight men with us, and the straight men have definitely said they saw it too. I ask only an attempt to eliminate illusion magics. You are sure it was not. We uh, could not be certain in the moment, um, but considering that uh, illusion magics would have to be of a scale that um, I think there are very few people on the continent that we do not know about who would have power of that level. Uh, I, I would say that that and, and this man, this thing did not ring any bells of any stories that we may have heard. So it is either a extra... A planar being who uh, is here, that's scary. Or it is someone who's been... It is my thought as well, some form of divination magic or, or possible conjuration that is occurring in your area. Um, Gaultier, as you're hearing them talk about all these different uh, magical possibilities and things like that, you are flabbergasted by what they're talking about. The, the notion that magic can be discussed so casually and cavalier like it's like it's just a thing is strange to you these sorts of things exist and and people talk about them but like in stories you know you don't hear about those things or see them very often and to come to the realization that you're traveling with or that you're in the company of two witches who are comfortable with this sort of stuff is kind of weird and a magic casting frog the weirdest of all I think Galtier just sort of sidled up to Otis again. And it's just kind of like looking at him and looking at them. It's just as, are you still so sure that uh, this is our best course of action? Well, any bit of information is better than no information, I suppose. And it did only take a few moments. So hopefully we can get on the road and make it back to Madrigal with haste. Though, Miss Burbage, you did forget to mention if I might be so bold as to inform you that the purple man did try, the umbral man perhaps tried to speak with us. Did he not? Though he had no- I do remember that. Oh, right. Right. I think I was behind him for that point. I don't think I saw his face moving. I was kind of staring off 
little bit and she looks like she's kind of spacing out but Liza definitely knows and recognizes that that's she she's She's mad in the kind of way that like uh, like a Sherlock Holmes would be mad, right? In the in the way that like she when she disconnects, she disconnects pretty fiercely, but she her brain is operating so fiercely in like this other place. So you can see that she looks like she's kind of exited the conversation, but actually what's happening, she's processing everything that she saw because now she's having to accept that okay, all of that unfiltered is probably what happened and she's trying to figure out what else to say and then she realizes Krishna is it possible that someone could be transported in a stone I'm not familiar with any sort of magic that would allow this but by the very nature of magic, it is always evolving and changing, and new elixirs and scrolls and and combinations of of anything could be possible. I, Babitha, Cauldron, call me again tomorrow at sunset. Let me speak with Maud Graham and see if any more information can be found. All right, Gretchen. Well, I will give you a call tomorrow, darling. Be, be well and um, be a little more chipper next time, dear. No, don't call me at two o'clock in the morning next time, please, dear. It's midnight. Go charge your crystals. Fuck off. Bye. Love you. <laughs> Different time zones. <laughs> Abitha at this point has uh, blown out the fire beneath the, the cauldron and uh, dispelled the, the cauldron as you um as as the call kind of concludes and you blow out the fire the all of the material the liquid that's bubbling inside it, it rolls into itself and like absorbs into the edges of the cauldron and the cauldron itself just kind of melts into a, a puddle on the ground that seeps down into the dirt and as in seconds it's completely gone oh well it was prototype i suppose but well, at least we got one good call out of it. Back to the drawing board, I suppose. But we continue to the castle now. You've made your call. You've found your information. And you've you've done every you've done everything you wanted to. Yes, yes. We still have a horse. Uh, yes, we we still have a horse. It did not get exploded. Sir, <laughs> you know, we just had to check. You know, Sir. I don't know. I do. I don't condone animal cruelty. Uh, sir, uh, uh, sir Gaultier, uh, Sir Oliver, uh, may I speak to you uh, privately? Babitha, this is not about you. Uh, this is uh, purely, um, purely uh, just me. Oh, absolutely. No question about it. Totally trust you. No worries. Uh, I'm going to walk... Um, Oliver and Gaultier over to kind of like I guess near the horse I guess and as uh, Liza's walking they make a point to change their finger fingernails back to their traditional colors and uh, their hair goes back to just kind of a uh, standard shoulder length red and everything about them Dear lord that's offsetting they do this all the time, changing appearances uh, on a whim. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but 
we, we go with it. I'm trying to settle myself. If if you did not know this, I I I could not control my turnings from uh, my my decision for myself of color to uh, you notice my fingers now yellow eyes yellow hair yellow that was not good for me can't imagine it was <laughs> great for you i'm just trying to get settled so we can have a regular conversation is that not reasonable that was outside of your magical uh, jurisdiction that was outside of my decision making correct well i'm sorry this is all reasonable enough what what ails thee liza all i wish is to apologize for not getting you more information that is all i wanted to say this was that was all my idea um Triechna and uh Bertha are uh wondrous witches who do great work and um it is not a reflection on them that we did not know more information and i just wanted to say um we all did our best collectively and we didn't get too much information, but I'm glad that we have some information. I just want to say, full disclosure, I apologize. Well, scholars they are. They must do their research before before acknowledging anything. They would be foolish and rash to say things uncertain. Absolutely, my sir. And, and the reason that they, I just wanted to pull you aside is, is just to say, I'm sorry. And I'm, I'm glad that we will have at least uh, having tried and received no information is better than saying i don't know uh in general or i haven't checked that yet and i just wanted you to know that's my process that is auntie babby's process and please respect our process because we're doing our best and that's why you brought us so i i hope we have a, a wonderful night and i hope we continue to be safe and i will watch your tight little ass my boy this is a fine a fine process that you have established would you permit me to pat you on the back? Um, I would prefer a firm fist bump. Assuredly. Uh, fist bump. Absolutely. <laughs> um, would you guys care to, to press on towards Madrigal? Can we take a rest, buddy? Or is this just charging through the night? Well, we must be waste. Darling, Otis. Okay. Otis. Otis, darling. Darling. Otis. Otis. I'm listening. Darling. We can talk about this while we're walking. Oh, just darling. I... My feet hurt. And that wouldn't be such an issue, you know, with the horse and all, except that my bum hurts. And I just really, I just really, I mean, listen, if you're willing to carry me back, I'm happy <laughs> to just stop now and just, uh, just release myself to, to your care. Um, otherwise, it would just how much does that weigh? away? A lady never, ever, ever. You can't. So? Now, Sir Otis, I understand that you have so many adventures, but there are certain things you do not ask a lady whether she is a mole or not. He, he blushes. Specifically, if you look at Babitha's character, she underweight, it says Rubenesque, and underage, it says Wink. Uh, is that like... Um, yeah, okay. Otis uh, Otis will, will hoist you up on one shoulder. She is two feet, eleven and three quarters tall. Um, and I would say that her circumference is probably 
you know, her 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 diameter is probably comparable. She's very round. <laughs> I remember talking about her being wider than she is tall. Um, yeah, he'll he'll pick you up and th- toss you over his shoulder like a continental soldier. <laughs> uh, yeah, he'll he'll walk with you for a little while. He's a pretty he's a pretty tough tough boy. So the duration of the next day, making your journey through the night and into the day, you make it probably until an hour after noon, and it's. The road is quiet. You guys are are less than a day now away from Madrigal, and the road is is very quiet, which is remarkably notable and very strange. Not unheard of, but but definitely notable that you guys have the road to yourself and you haven't seen anybody. And then off in the distance, you see the first figure that's been on the road all day. Um, And as as you approach, roll perception. Oh, no. So you guys are kind of coming down now into the, off of the foothills and into the the plains in which Madrigal rests. Um, you can you can barely off in the distance see the the great red walls of the city. What'd you guys get? I rolled a seven. Isaac got a six. Seventeen for Galtier. So this figure that's approaching you, Galtier, you're you're easily the first one to notice it in the distance and the first thing that you notice is that it it looks like it almost has an aura around it uh, it's maybe shimmering or or moving somehow and as you get closer you realize that this it's a it's a dwarf that you see that's walking the road and it's kind of draped in this purple hue in the middle of the daylight and this aura around it is a wispy tendrils of smoke and and purple air that leaves that's behind it. Babitha, you described it almost perfectly before, where it's almost like a shadow of himself behind himself uh, that that kind of follows wherever it moves. Um, and you you make this out probably a quarter mile away, maybe a little bit closer than that. You're able to conclusively identify that this is. I'll try to get. Um lies in Babitha's attention and say, look down there, down a road. Look look familiar to anyone? Babitha is asleep and slung over the shoulder of Sir Otis. <laughs> Sir, Sir Otis lifts his hands up to kind of block out the sun. It does look rather familiar, doesn't it? It can't be the same thing. It... I, I know what we saw last night was real. I I know it was real, but I did not think it would happen again. And uh, this can't be our same uh, entity from from the prior night. That was a a, a tall, like a human man. This fellow looks to be some sort of uh, perhaps dwarf. It's hard to tell at this distance, but. He's, even as you guys are discussing, it's closing the distance between you guys. Um, it's making pretty good pace for a, for a dwarf, especially. Well, goodness, get a, let's get off the road and get cover until we can find out what it is and who it are is. We, um, are we at a distance where, like, he, this person can for, for sure see us? 
yeah uh, you guys are coming down this hill that's leading down onto the it's essentially a plain that madrigal lies in at the base of these foothills there's, there's no way that he wouldn't have seen you guys walking walking the road at this point. And you guys saw him coming. You just weren't, you didn't realize what it was until I don't think we can just uh, now. get off of this road and, and have any sort of secrecy, but perhaps we can just mind our own and make our way back to the city. Oh, Otis, you better put me down for now, just in case it's off, darling. <laughs> Thanks for the ride, my duckling. This dwarf continues his approach. Uh, now he's easily within shouting range. Um, if you guys were, were talking at a, at a high level, you know, it would carry down. You guys could hear each other. Um, and he just kind of casually keeps his approach. You notice now that he's got a little bit of a limp uh, favoring the left side. Liza is going to play a dwarven hymn, like a, a pretty, not like a solemn song, but it's not an upbeat song. It's just kind of like a, a storytelling dwarven song um, because they speak dwarvish and uh, are a bard. And they're going to pull out their lyre and just start playing it uh, a little bit back from everybody not like walking with that it was clearly walking with the group but like 10 feet behind so it's not so loud for the group itself and and uh, keeping an eye on literally like absolutely um, trying to be as casual about staring this dwarf down as they play uh, Otis, Otis Oboe's Gaultier Beyond God on guard, Dijamo. I think Galtier is definitely getting ready, um, but I want to, like, real quick kind of, like, uh, look at each of the other party members one by one. Um, Galtier, it looks like he's, he's getting ready to approach this figure, maybe step out a little bit ahead of the group. Babitha uh, takes a deep breath, kind of scrunches her face a little bit, looks around, and taps her quarterstaff on the ground and the air around everyone fills with a very like the sweet smell of like milk and honey being heated over the fire it's just a very very specific comforting smell and you just see her kind of warm her she she her cheeks crinkle up and she just you can tell that it has just completely put her at ease and uh this this dwarf is maybe 20 yards 15 yards slowly slowly getting closer now you guys can all clearly see uh, these whiskey yeah. tendrils and smoke and things um and at first it's kind of like he's doing that thing where you walk past somebody on the sidewalk and you're not sure if you're supposed to make eye contact and acknowledge or if you're supposed to look somewhere else it feels like he's looking at the at the landscape around you guys. Um, there's there's some a, a couple of rivers and ponds in the distance, some kind of groves of trees, like I've described before. And then he gets ten feet away, and it, it, it's very clear that he's intentionally not making eye contact with you guys. He hasn't acknowledged you in any way. He hasn't looked. He hasn't 
he's he's looked straight at you but not made eye contact and he just kind of carries on as he as he was i think once he's in that that zone of like the uncomfortable will we won't we eye contact uh phase galtier will kind of like throw a hand up it's like oh hello there friend uh seems to be a quiet day on the road here and i was wondering if perhaps you had any news from the city the dwarf he's got this long beard with a couple of rings in it and these um, worn traveler's pants and overcoat he walks under your hand completely ignoring you he his his figure bumps into Galtier's body and just like the figure last night kind of morphs its way around you in this puff of smoke except this time it reforms behind you and this this purple figure of a dwarf continues walking behind you as if nothing had happened. My friend, something is very wrong here. I'm suddenly feeling your urge, Sir Otis, to make haste to the capital. I feel we should redouble our efforts. We should reach the capital at all with all haste. I believe you are right, Miss Burbage. Something is dreadfully wrong we all saw what we just saw correct indubitably and nobody wants to like figure it out we're just going to keep walking what if we run into more of them it looks as though what if uh, a a host of bandits tries to take over our party and we cannot hit them because they are they are smoke like tantalizing supposition but they also can't hit us it would appear otis like quickly starts walking back towards this thing and kind of gets in front of it to look at it um and you guys see as he's doing that this this dwarf walks through him in the same fashion puff of smoke and then it coalesces behind him and continues on as if nothing happened Liza puts everything away and changes into a dwarf and, and yells in dwarvish, running behind, in behind this dwarf, and just says, Brother, brother, have you heard the news? No response. Liza, I believe this may be beyond the, the fines and constraints of I'm mere mortal realm. I'm, I'm a little bit perplexed myself, but I do believe that, for one thing, if we make it back to Madrigal, we will have safety, but for another, perhaps, a chance at some of these answers you seek. Liza changes back into kind of um, very, very plain Jane, plain Joe, uh, or plain Dane. There you go. Man who... Uh, it just kind of looks very like super everything is a five out of ten about them they are the most average as to not except for their obviously their uh fingernails being painted with white black and red and they are truly very scared in this moment because liza um liza turns to babitha and as they're walking just says i i do not normally wish 
to be the center of attention when someone first meets me, but when I want the attention and it is not given to me, it is not a comforting feeling. Oh, darling. I, I realize that you have no way of knowing this, but uh, that is a, a particularly female experience that you're having. It's remember that spectrum we discussed. It's on one end of it. We'll get into it later. You guys press on the the castle and the city. Another half day journey in front of you. A hard day's walk. You make it to to sunset, where Babatha and Liza. You attempt your one eight hundred cauldron call. Notably, Babatha, there is absolutely no response and. Should you try to make the call again, no response. Uh, it's it's very alarming. However, you continue on uh, into Madrigal. The city as you see it is surrounded by this massive red-colored wall. It's 30, 40 feet tall in some places, 50 feet tall. Parapets, crenellated towers. Um, Madrigal is a very fortified city. In in nobody's imagination could it ever be siege would fail attack would fail this is throughout the land of Arbalea Madrigal is the finest city it is the stronghold of the continent period dot end of sentence nobody will argue that um, it was built generations ago by the dwarves themselves the finest craftsmen the city is beautiful it's immaculate you make your way around Dawn's Maw, which is the small city or the small town, I should say, that has popped up at the main gate to Madrigal, where travelers and buskers and all sorts of traders would generally coalesce and, and convene for their... That's Liza's people. So, like, they feel extremely comfortable going kind of through this crowd, knowing that, like, oh, I'm home. Not exactly, but... Unfortunately for Liza, even as you guys get here, um, late at night, probably 11 or 12 p.m. There's nobody out here where even late at night, there would be people bar hopping and going to the taverns, uh, people having a good time any day of the week. It's it's a big city or, or it's a big quote unquote village outside the biggest city, but there's nobody out. Uh, occasionally, you'll see one one person here, one person there and walking through Don's Maw and making your way into Madrigal itself through the main gates is a surreal experience to see this bizarre sensation of nobody there and on top of that there are more of these purple figures there are half a dozen that that are in Dawn's Maw and as you make your way towards the, the, the castle of Madrigal there's more and more it's not an alarming i mean they're all alarming but it's not like a frightening number of them it's just there's noticeably a almost population of them um when you say that there's nobody like the the area around don's ma is deserted does it look like it was in a normal state of activity and that just like abruptly stopped or does it look like it sort of never woke up for the day it looks like it probably never got rolling today it's kind of tough to tell what what state it's in. You know, it's nighttime and you guys are all tired and 
there's not really a lot of uh, there's not really a lot of light through the city aside from what you guys are casting. It, it's just kind of hard to to make out what maybe is going on. Being a bard who um, in a previous life was was very not necessarily nomadic, but just like went to the major cities a lot, and Madrigal is the city, so there has to be a tavern that Liza knows of, and and this is all extremely unsettling because normally nighttime was like the time to go out in this area because that was the way that they made their money was uh, as, a, as a kid was being able to, to swindle people or pull off little sli- sleight of hand tricks or even just s- straight up stealing. So this is all really uncomfortable silence. It's like coming home and all the furniture has gone. Like it's just not comfortable. It feels off um, and uh, and they feel like they need to go to a place that feels concrete and like solid. So they're going to go to a, a, the, the tavern that they know of that's like right along this path because there are many, but they're going to go to one of them. Yeah, this time of night, like I said, you guys are, this is after midnight as it is. This time of night, even you approach this tavern that you're familiar, that you're very familiar with, um, the Slish and Slash. And there's no lights on there's nothing and you you go up to the door to make your way in you know that familiar ring of the bell as the door opens it doesn't move it's locked well um if you just give me a moment here and uh babas starts immediately uh digging through her stuff and then she goes oh wait (laughs) i should try this first and she knocks on the door um no response from inside now, Liza, you said this is a place that you've uh, you've played before. Um, it is a place that I played later in life, but most of the time, I, I this was prime location to to just find kind people. Despite the name, sounds quite aggressive. Um, the the people inside it it tended to attract uh, some of the nicer folk, and and this is. Um, a place such as this be closed already at this time of night normally? Uh, it would be it would be um, slow, but no, it, it would never be closed. I don't myself make it down here to the mall very often, but this seems highly uncharacteristic of what I know of the inner city. Yes, this is not good. Um, I, I I I have not been here in um, over over a year, but. This should not be like this. Babatha has started, has gotten, uh... <clears throat> oh, here we are! Babatha reaches into a leather bag and pulls out a couple of pick-like looking devices and says, well, I mean, if we find the door open and we enter, and she... Uh, proceeds to start trying to pick the lock. Uh, Liza is going to immediately grab her hand and say, I don't wish to come in this way. There is a side door. Excellent. Excellent. I like how you think. This is a, so I kind of see Don's Ma as a one horse town style buildings, uh, like these Western style buildings with the walks in the front, uh, the saloon kind of windows and signs up top um similarly like they have the little alleys in between 
it's just much a much larger version and more populated version of that. Gotcha. Liza is going to walk around and go to the side door um, that they always used to go to to um, receive some of the uh, like uh, kind of thrown away food. Um, so there were there would be scraps at the end of the day, and they would uh, go to the side door and uh, talk to Shevlin, the chef. Uh, he wasn't a chef; he was just a cook. But they would they would talk to Shevlin and get a uh, moderately sized amount of food when they needed it. And Shevlin was a was a not like anybody who really mattered in like a macro sense, but in a micro sense, they were nice to Liza when it was needed. So this is kind of like this side door is like going to I don't know your favorite coffee shop as that you had when you were in high school so so you're gonna you try the the side door uh to no avail it is also locked um i'm 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 gonna look at uh antibabi and say oh this this lock was much easier to pick on purpose Wonderful, darling. I would like it on the record that I don't condone this. Oh, that's perfectly fine. There's about seven million things down here that I know you wouldn't condone. That was implicit, my boy. Consider it noted. So, Otis, perhaps you could uh, take yourself onto the front veranda there and provide a bit of a, a lookout. I would happily provide lookout. I can't be privy to that. Uh, Altier, I, I do not wish to, this is not, actually, I will go with Oliver up front as lookout. I believe that we should not be splitting up in this moment, and I do not want to split up our, um, uh, our party unevenly. So I am going to go with Oliver up front. Well, yes, it's Otis, Otis Thaverton. We've been well met. Okay, Oliver. Um, would you like to try to roll your way into the door? Uh, as in... Yeah, so uh, if I'm not mistaken, how I will do that is that I will make a, uh, because of my particular class, I'm going to actually make an intelligence check, and I get to add my proficiency bonus, which is two, so this will be a intelligence check plus two. That is a 14 plus 2 plus 3, which is a 19 to pick this lock. Liza's knowledge of the easier lock off to the side pays off as you slide your fantasy credit card in between the jam. <clears throat> Creaks just a bit as it opens. Uh, there's two old wooden steps that lead up into the door. You step in, the floorboards creak a little bit. It's all it's uh, wooden wooden flooring along trusses that kind of crackles and and creaks as you walk. Do you, do you guys go in? Liza, who did you say the proprietor was here? Do you wish? Do they live in this building? Should we call out for them? Well, they are booby-trapped. Um, 
the owner of the uh, bar was uh, really just a series of rotating mob bosses um, that all kind of would bet, oh, I'll bet the slish, and, the slish and slash in this poker game. Oh, I lost it. Oh, no. My bet. Oh, no. Okay. I, I bet it in this poker game. It, it, there were no owners. The, the two people that mattered were Shevlin and Shivel, uh, the, the two brothers who ran the bar. So Shevlin or Shivel. I would say Shivel. Shivel was a bit more hardy. So if everyone here died, I would get the, I would get that Shivel probably. Well, in that case, should we... Did they live in the building? Should we head for their room? Should we... I have no clue. I have no clue if they lived in this building. They were just seem to be always here. So that maybe they live close by. Um, I'm not. I'm. I cannot. Okay. Well, let's just take a moment to sit in here and regroup. I thought we were gonna come, kind of try to, to find someone. Um, oh, I wonder if they have a cauldron here. I could try to. I don't want to <laughs> use it. Not mine. I've melted two of my good ones. I was mainly coming in here just to see what the inside looked like because that would be more of a um if you could open the front door for me that would be great i just peek inside see what the imperial looks like that would give me an insight as to which uh mob boss currently owned the place when it closed down um it would change interior design every single time so uh, it would be helpful if i if i see interior design okay well I suppose we can go and have a look at that. Who's going in? You just go up front. If something happens, yell, please. But I'm going to go look at my childhood soup kitchen, please. And I'm going to walk through the door. Uh, and um, can I, like, sneak in there? Like, try and be as lightly yeah, footed as possible? Thank God. Um, uh, that's a <laughs> six. As you, uh, Babitha, you're going in too, right? Okay. Um, as the the two of you uh, try to sneak your way in, uh, the the door creaks as you open it again, and the floorboards creak with nearly every step. You have to turn uh, immediately going in the door. You turn right for about uh, ten feet before before it opens up to the bar itself. Your eyes, you're, you're going slow, and your eyes slowly start adjusting to the dark, and you look around, and it looks, the interior from what you see looks to be in normal condition. There's chairs, and there's a, a table, and off to the far side, there's a there's an old beat-up piano, even. And as you're looking around, you're, you're kind of taking stock of what, like, what can possibly go, be going on in here. You hear a thud off to the far side of the counter, and you look over, and there is a single person sitting in the farthest seat behind the bar. Who's that? Shevlin. Shevlin. Can't can't see a thing over there. He takes a, a swig out of his mug. I'm going to... Liza is going to change into a, a younger version of... into a, a young woman 
um, no real intense makeup, very, um, very just kind of in innocent with just a, a, a black ponytail and, and just very plain, plain Jane and just say, Shevlin, it's, it's Liza. <laughs> <laughs> you think Liza's supposed to ring a bell to me? <laughs> 300 people a day through here. <laughs> Hey, why don't you help get a and, drink? And how many did you feed through the side door today? He kind of turns to you from his... He's sitting facing the back of the bar, and you guys have approached him from his, from his left side. He turns his head over to you. What do you want anyways? What happened here? <laughs> What happened? What happened here? You. <laughs> well, Yuliana left. Said she's going to Astrovale. That's what's going on here. So I said, you know what? <laughs> I own the place. I'm going to drink it all gone. What happened over there? I, I lost somebody today. I'm I'm sorry that you lost somebody too. Was this a competition? No. He he slides Just, his um... mug down down the bar and it kind of slops slops over the edge a little bit. Well, I guess you might as well have a drink while you're at it, then, huh? Uh, I appreciate it, and um, I'm going to fake as though I'm drinking out of the mug. Uh, do you want me to roll a deception check or slide a hand or? Uh, no, it's it's pretty dark in here. Like it's it's nearly black in here. Um, you can you you can only barely like as your eyes are adjusting, start to make out his silhouette and maybe some of his features. Um, and I'm just going to say, um, Shevlin, I'm I'm sorry that you lost Yuliana. I hope the slush and slash makes a comeback someday because I know it means a lot to some of us here in the mall. Uh, fools all of them. It, it's not gonna, not if this, it won't come back if this is the case. They're all fools. They're all scared fools. It's foolishness. So, they're not coming back. You know, you know what I think? I think Madrigal's done can't have these can't the ghosts wandering the streets scaring people away what are they they're not gonna go away who the echoes the echoes of the dead reclaiming the city itself well that sounds like things escalated pretty quickly and the story will continue next time.
time. Too sexy for my cat. Too sexy for my cat. So sexy, it hurts. I always feel the worst as a partner when it's really short and it's just scratchy. 